war, politics, social unrest, economic uncertainty, international conflicts, climate change. What is the significance of these current events? Where are we heading? Pastor Gary Webster shares answers from the Bible, giving you hope and certainty in the times ahead. Welcome to Countdown, Back to the Future. This episode is entitled, The Seven Last Plagues. And look at the seven last plagues in this presentation. Very, very important. John was given a vision that's right toward the end of the book of Revelation. Has everything to do with helping you and I have eternal life, as you're going to see. John says, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. You can see these are serious, can't you? Now, the plagues are the result of a rebellious world that is actually separated itself from God because they're holding on to sin. That's what it's about. So they've separated themselves from God while they're clinging to sin. That's what it's all about here. You see, God removes his protective hand now and all the evil forces break loose because God has withdrawn his protective hand. You know, we don't realize tonight how much we owe God tonight. If it weren't for God and the angels that he commissions holding back, let me tell you, we'd have gone up in smoke years ago. We have weapons that are capable of destroying this planet. And we've gone pretty close a few times. But God has held back. But one day, sadly, God has to say enough is enough and he has to remove his protective hand. Now, do God's people go through this tribulation, these plagues, we call them, or the tribulation? This is a question that some people worry about. Well, let's face the facts, first of all. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. We saw this last weekend. These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, doesn't mean they were taken out. It means they've gone through and they've come out the other side. That's what it's saying here, because you'll read on. They've come out of the great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the land. They shall hunger no more. They've done it. They will thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. They've been through all that, but God has protected them through that. That's what we're going to discover. While God's people go through the plagues, God looks after them. I'm going to share with you some of the most amazing prophecies or yeah, promises, I should say, that God has given about this so that you need to know this before we go and look at the plagues. OK, you need to hold on to this. The Bible says in Psalm 91, those who live in the secret place of the Most High. What does that mean? Those who have made God their, their refuge, those who have put their trust in him, those who are clinging to him. That's what it's saying. Those who live in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He shall cover you with his feathers like a mother hen gathers her chickens under her wings. And under his wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. That's why night after night, day after day, we've been talking about what? Truth. 
Because truth, when we embraced and accepted and followed, it's going to be our shield. Because God is the truth that we're holding on to when we hold on to truth. You shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence, the disease, the germs that walks in the darkness. We don't need to be afraid. Nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. Why? God says, a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you see and behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, says the psalmist, even the most high your habitation. Because you gave God your friend, there shall no evil come to you. He's talking about the plagues that are coming. Neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. Why? For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. He did it for Israel in the ten plagues. He protected them and looked after them. And he's going to do the same for you and I if we've made God our habitation. Now these plagues fall on Babylon and all in, in Babylon who haven't come out. Because of her sins. That's what the Bible tells us why these plagues come. Notice, after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven. We saw this last week. He cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Remember last week. Lest you share in her sins. And lest you receive of her plagues, for her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her sins. So if we stay in Babylon, we participate in her sins. So God says, Come out, my people, so that you don't receive the plagues that are coming on her. Come out. And we saw a remnant come out. Only two groups the remnant and those in Babylon in the end of time. Now let's have a look at these plagues, and we're going to see that they come to Babylon and those in Babylon. The first plague is sores, the Bible says, and the first went and poured out his bowl of plagues upon the earth, and there fell a terrible and a grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. You notice we've seen this. So the first plague of sores comes to those who take the mark of the beast and worship his image. You see, people choose the beast mark, which we saw was what? Sunday, the first day, even the church said. Of course, the Catholic Church claims that the change to Sunday was her act, and the act is a mark of authority in religious matters. This is the church's claim itself. We've noticed that. How do people choose the mark? How is it that they choose the mark? Remember, no one could buy or sell unless they had the mark. In other words, they receive it for economic security. They think if I take the beast mark, I will have economic security. Buying and selling and employment. So I will take the mark. I will be safe. But sadly, the beast mark fails to deliver economic security and these people are marked with sores 
They wanted the mark. Now God gives them a literal mark. They're marked with swords. It's tragic when you think about it. God always honours our own free will. And so the consequences are these. What's God telling us? Christ, the Lord of the Sabbath, is our only security. No security in economics and buying and selling. Christ is our security. Second plague, the sea turns to blood. John said, and the second angel poured out his bowl upon the sea, and it became like the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. You know, sometimes people see these plagues and they think, don't tell me about these things. I don't want to know about them. What sort of a... Hang on a bit here. God has put them in this book for a reason. Because sometimes when he whispers to us, when he pleads with us, we're not hearing. So sometimes he has to shout in our ears because we're not listening. We're sitting on a fence. And God says, I want to get you off that fence because the fence, there's no fence to sit on. He who is not with me is against me. So God only tells us what's coming because he loves us. So the sea becomes like the blood. Now remember in Bible prophecy, the sea represented the masses of humanity in, in the prophetic symbolism. In other words, people thought there's security in following the crowd. But the Bible tells us people now... The sea itself turns blood. In other words, there's no security in following the crowd. Now literally the sea turns blood. Security is found only in following Christ. Remember that, my friends. There's no security in following your priest or your pastor or your parents. You must follow the word of God yourself, and I, so must I. Your parents lived up to the light they had, but you have got other light, that greater light now that comes upon you and I. Security is found only in following Christ. The third plague, the rivers and the springs turned to blood, the Bible says. Rather horrific plague. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, You are righteous, O Lord, who is and who was and is to be, because you have judged the way you have. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for this is what they deserve. What's going on here? What's taking place? Well, you see, these people rejected the water of life that came from Christ's servants. They thought that by silencing there by killing them they would find security in silencing them so we won't hear what they're talking about from God's word failing or thinking that there was security in silencing God's servants now the streams turn to blood and the people one day are going to go to the tap and blood's going to come out God always honors our choice Sadly, they turned against those who brought to them the, the waters of life and now the waters turned to blood. It's, it's terrible when you think about it, but God will always honour our choice. Security is found only in accepting Christ's servants' messages. No security in rejecting them and turning on his servants. Number fourth plague, the scorching sun. The Bible says the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun and power was given to it to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. 
What's going on? God again goes back to this Sunday thing. They chose the day of the sun. So God honors their choice. And now the sun scorches them. They refuse the Sabbath, God's sign of allegiance. And now the sun they wanted, it actually scorches them. God will always honor our choice. Security is found only in resting in the Lord of the Sabbath, not in choosing something else that God did not give and turning away. Number five plague is darkness. The Bible says the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain. Now, when it says the seat of the beast, it means the headquarters, it means the leaders, those who lead, in this case, the church of Rome, the headquarters of the beast, the beast from the sea. What's going on here? Well, these people, leaders, led people to follow the darkness of error. And so now God allows them their choice. They wanted error, so now they have darkness. They rejected the light of the world, the light of the world in his word. They didn't want what God says in his word. They wanted darkness rather than light, so now they have darkness. God will always honor our choice. And blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and sores and repented not of their deeds. Do you notice what's happened here? They repented not of their deeds, even though this was happening to them. In other words, they've got hardened hearts, closed minds. And there's a great warning for us here. It's dangerous to turn from any Bible truth, the light, because if we turn from it, it's going to lead us to darkness eventually. And that's why, with all the solemnity, I want to say, uh, my friends today, if you've been coming to these meetings night after night, follow the truth. Follow what God is saying to you, lest the darkness come. You, we, don't, we don't want to be part of that in the end of time. Security is found only in following the light of the world, Jesus Christ, as the light shines from his book. Plague number six, Euphrates River is dried up. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now remember we saw the other evening that Euphrates was code for Babylon the Great because Babylon sat on the Euphrates River, remember. Euphrates ran through the city of Babylon. It was Babylon's life support. Without the Euphrates River, Babylon would cease to be a city. This was how it survived, because of the waters that irrigated around it. This is how the city survived. So it was Babylon's life support. Now remember, Cyrus, the king of Medo-Persia from east of Babylon, came to Babylon, dried up the Euphrates River, and because he did that, he took the city of Babylon. He dried it up, now the city was taken. He delivered God's people from Babylon as a result. Because he took the city, now the Israelites could go back to Jerusalem. The waters of the Euphrates represent masses of people we saw the other evening. Babylon's life support is people. Babylon, the great life support system, is people. It's the people that make the city flourish. That's why he talks about Euphrates, where this woman sits on, meaning the masses of people. They are the ones that give Babylon its life. Without people, it would cease. The waters which you saw are peoples and multitudes and tongues and nations. So Babylon the Great, remember, 
which represented, we saw last weekend, Christian and non-Christian religions and all the different worldviews and ideologies, people with all those systems that are clearly not following God and his word. They've turned their back on him. They may claim to be Christian, but they're not really Christian because they're not following God and his word. That's Babylon. Non-Christian powers, religions, and worldviews we saw. The Dark Age Church renewed with power in the end times. Apostate Protestantism in the United States, which leads Protestantism around the world, really. This is what God is talking about. The three powers of Babylon. These three powers gather everybody we saw to the Battle of Armageddon, remember? How do they do it? Let's remind. I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon. They came out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. That's the second beast who does miracles. They are spirits of demons performing miracles which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon, we saw. Global demonic deceptions in the end of time. Signs and wonders from Babylon the Great. The Euphrates River dries up. What's John telling us? Babylon's support ends. The people in the end see through it. They see that this system has sold them short. This system that they supported, that they flowed into by all the signs and wonders and miracles has led them to destruction. And it, finally, they withdraw their support like the river flow, dries up, but it's too late. Jesus comes as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the King from the East to deliver God's people. That's what it's telling us, the coming of Jesus. What does the Bible say? Malachi says, the day comes that shall burn as an oven and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. But to you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness rise. It's a name for Jesus. The sun rises in the east with healing in his wings. Just like Cyrus the Great came from east of Babylon to deliver God's people. Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he comes to rescue his people by putting down Babylon the Great. People have finally saw through it, but it's too late. Security is only in Christ, not in this end time system called Babylon the Great. It's only found in Jesus. Finally, the seventh plague is the destruction of Babylon and all in her. This brings us to the Battle of Armageddon that we talked about earlier. Remember, the Bible says the Battle of Armageddon is Babylon's destruction. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it is done, it's finished. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, God's wrath. 
Then every island fled away, the mountains were not found, and great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. That's like a 112-pound bag, or what is that, 56-kilogram bag of salt landing on top of you. Terrible, tele, terrible hailstone. Men blasphemed God because of the plagues of hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Well, as we said, God has only shared these plagues with us so we might know what's coming. Terrible times are coming. God is holding all that back, but when God has to remove his hand, the devil throws everything at this planet and away it goes. Now, what I want to close with is this. No one, not one single person needs to receive these plagues. Not one person. And that's why God is warning us he doesn't want anyone to have them and how come is that because you see calvary mirrors the seven last plagues i want to show you something beautiful tonight why nobody needs to have these plagues notice what the bible says then a third angel followed saying with a loud voice this is the third angel's message if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand he himself shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation have we seen this before yes we've seen this before you may recall that Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane the night before he died three times he pleaded with the father take this cup from me father take this cup from me blood poured out of his pores of his skin. An angel had to come to strengthen him that night. Take this cup. What cup? He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. What cup didn't he want to drink from? The cup of God's wrath. When Jesus went to Calvary, he was experiencing the seven last plagues what they stand for. He felt what the sinner will feel in the end of time. He's taken. He's drunk from this cup. Notice how Calvary mirrors the seven last plagues. Number one, Jesus was marked for us. Just like people one day will be marked with sores, so Jesus was marked for you and I at Calvary. You remember, Jesus received two lots of lashes, 39 lashes each time with a Roman cat of nine tails, which is a, a, a handle with some leather thonging with bone or lead tied along it. And when it came down on the back of a man, it would pull chunks of skin from the flesh at the back. Jesus received that twice. He's going to be marked for eternity on his back, let me tell you. The crown of thorns was pushed into his head, the Bible says. They whacked it on his head with a stick. That, you've seen the thorns. We're talking, we're talking that long pushed it into his he's going to have little dots he's going to have nail scars in his hands and his feet marked for eternity christ understands what people go through when they receive their mark with sores the passion of the christ showed that incredibly how it was he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes you and i are healed what wonders took place at calvary my friend 
Jesus suffered the wrath of God that comes from the first plague. Unbelievable grace of God. Number two, he shed his blood for everyone, the sea of humanity. There was enough blood shed on Calvary to cover every person on the planet, let me tell you. Bar none. He shed his blood like that great sea will turn to blood. For the love of Christ compels us because one died for all, the Bible says. Don't you love that verse? One died for all people. Enough blood to cover everybody. Number three, the source of life. Jesus was the source of life. He shed his blood to give life. Remember the third plague? The, the rivers and the springs turned to blood. Jesus is the source of life. And he shed his blood to give life. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. What do you mean? Whoever accepts what I did on Calvary. Whoever throws themselves on me and says, God, make it mine. I am nothing. I can do nothing. I have nothing. But I claim Christ. That person will have, has eternal life and he'll be raised up. The scorching sun. You remember what happened when Jesus was on the cross of Calvary? What took place? Jesus cried out, I thirst. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them. Jesus was hanging on an old rugged cross there under the Judean sun. And he cried out, I thirst. Because of his understanding of the fourth plague, you and I don't have to go through it. I thirst, he said. Number five plague. Remember what happened at the cross? Everything turned dark at the cross of Calvary. The sun refused to shine. Why was this? Because Jesus was taking your sin and my sin. He who knew no sin became sin. So now he's entering the domain of the devil himself into the darkness. That's what it symbolized because he was taking our sin. Remember at the cross, just like the sixth plague, the waters of the Euphrates are dried up. Support is withdrawn. So Jesus felt support withdrawn the bible says everybody made fun of him his his disciples stood afar off only one person seemed to support him that day and it was a thief on the cross next to him recognized him even his father seemed to have drawn withdrawn his support my god my god why have you forsaken me he felt that he felt what the sinner is going to do who clings to sin when support is withdrawn when Jesus was on the cross, there was an earthquake, the Bible says, that it sent the rocks down the mountain. And, and, and what's that about? Whenever you see earthquakes happening in the Bible, it's the judgment of God. Jesus was being judged because of your sin and my sin. How on him? That's what he said. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. When Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. It is done. You see the seventh plague mirrored here in Calvary. What is finished? The cup is empty. It's, I've drunk the whole lot. No human being need go through the seven last plagues. If only we'll hide ourselves in Jesus, my friend. If only we will throw ourselves on him. We need to be sheltered. 
in the time of the plagues. And that shelter comes when we throw ourselves on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Saviour of the world. How do we do that? We must let Christ come into our life and follow him. That's how we shelter ourselves in Jesus. Let him come in. Your life may be messed up. You may have turned your back on God, but let me tell you, when you just say, Lord, take control, he will do that very thing. He really will. We must die with him to self and turn from sin. He said, take up the cross and follow me and your life will never be the same again. He said, come out, my people. We cannot stay here. To stay here is to participate in sin and to receive the plague. So he says, come out because of his love for each one of us. You and I must be an Israelite, remember. We must come to the water. We must say, Lord, I'll even follow you in this thing. I'll give you my life. I'll go into the waters of baptism because I want to be one of your followers. I want to be in Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Loving Father, our heads are bowed, their eyes are closed. It's time we made some decisions for you. You made big decisions for us. Lord, this is no time for any of us to be sitting on a fence. Father, while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask some questions and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand tonight to one or more of these. Just you and God. You'd like to say tonight, Lord, I want to accept and follow Jesus. I want to put my whole life in his hand. Just raise your hand tonight. Is there somebody? Yes, God bless. God bless. Someone else, you know you should make this decision. Jesus, take my life. God bless you. Is there someone tonight who says, Lord, you know, I need to come out of Babylon. I understand what that's all about now and I, I need to come out and I need to be one of your remnant people. God, help me. If you'd like to tell the Lord that tonight, Lord, I want to be one of your remnant people, your faithful people in the end of time. I need to come out. Can't stay where I am. Just raise your hand tonight. You raise your hand. God bless. God bless you. Never put off a decision like this. God bless. Marvellous. Best time to do what God is calling you to do is the now time. And finally tonight, if God is speaking to you and saying to you, you know, my son, my daughter, you need to make a decision to follow me in baptism. You need to say yes to me and give me your life in that full sense. By faith, I'm going to go through baptism with Jesus. Just raise your hand tonight. Is there somebody? Just raise your hand and say, God bless you. Just make that decision. God, help me. I want to follow you. God bless you. Is there someone else tonight? Just make that decision. Don't put it off. You'll never be as happy as when you say yes to God. God bless. Father, you see our hands tonight. Oh, thank you, Father, for amazing grace that we've seen tonight. Lord, who can doubt the love of God for the chiefest of sinners? Who can doubt the love of God for us personally? When we see what Jesus did at Calvary, what he went through for us. Oh Lord, take our lives now, bless us, keep us, 
Cause your face to shine upon us and give us your peace tonight as we go to our homes safe in the arms of Jesus. In his name, amen. You've been listening to Countdown Back to the Future, made available by the Victoria Park Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit their YouTube page, Vic Park SDA Church. Each new day, God gives you a choice to make blessing or cursing, life or death. It's in your hands, the choice is yours to make. So what will you choose today? Therefore choose life. That you and your descendants may live Will you love the Lord your God And obey His voice For God is your life And the length of your days So what will you choose? Will you choose life? Life or death, blessing or cursing, the choice is in your hands, how will you choose to live? And so this day, I have a choice to make, blessing or cursing.
From Carly Fletcher's album, Eternity Together, that was Choose Life. Up next, Marlita Fong will sing Stand By Me. will now sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
Compiled by Remnant Publications, the book Get Ready for a Miracle recounts true stories that prove that when we step out in faith, God displays His power in undeniable ways. Here is our reader, Koval Smith. This story is entitled, The Great Controversy Unfolds. Luke chapter 10 verses 18 and 19 says, 
I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. As eight-year-old Mariam walked to and from school each day with her friends, she began catching glimpses of money lying on the ground. She would point it out to her friends, but they never saw it. Then one afternoon, she saw a $5,000 guinea franc note on the ground and pointed it to her friends. They could not see the money on the ground, but when she picked it up, it became visible to them. They were excited for her. Mariam put the money in her bag and continued home. That is when the trouble began. Mariam began to see things and suffered from severe headaches. When she told her father, he understood what was happening and began trying to treat her, but in vain. He sent her to other more powerful Karamokos, but it was no use. A demon began stalking Mariam everywhere she went. He was very jealous of his girl and he did not want her to have dealings with anyone else. His visits intensified. She fell into trances for two or three hours at a time and would wake up with severe headaches. She was forced to quit school and became very isolated, able to talk only with her mother and close relatives without incurring the demon's wrath. He would visit Mariam every Thursday and Friday, and if she didn't do what he wanted, he would attack her violently and leave her bruised. People would watch her hit her head on a wall or anything else close by, but she wasn't doing it to herself. The invisible demon was abusing her. In vain, her parents offered all kinds of animal sacrifices. One day, her father took her to the most powerful Karamoko in Guinea. The demon told the Karamoko he would let her go if a close relative would trade herself to him as a ransom. This completely discouraged Mariam's family. Her father became so ashamed of his helplessness that he banished Mariam and her mother from their home, blaming them in an effort to salvage his honour. Abandoned by their entire family, Mariam, her mother and her youngest sister moved to Freya. In Freya, the girl's mother had to beg for food, and for many days they went hungry. In desperation, Mariam turned to her demon for help. He gave her a $10,000 guinea franc bill and told her that any time she needed money, she would just have to touch it and say the amount she needed and it would appear. With that money, she was able to support her mother and younger sister. Still, Mariam was isolated. The jealous demon would take control of her unexpectedly when she was with other people to scare them away, especially if they were young men. She quickly lost every friend she tried to make. She begged him to stop attacking her, and he told her he would stop only if she married him. She accepted and made a covenant with him. After he gave her a nose ring and a gold wedding ring, 
he began to visit her more frequently. So she became fearful of her life, desperately looking for help, not caring where it might come from. Sometime later, she heard about a young Christian man named Daniel, who had prayed for an old man who was sick, and the man was healed. Mariam's heart leaped with great hope. Determined to find him, she began asking every young man she met if he was a Christian. When the demonic fiancé learned what she was doing, he attacked her more frequently and violently. After one particularly brutal attack, she prayed her first prayer. God, if you exist, guide me to the place I can be cured. Finally, someone was able to direct Mariam to the church Daniel attended, which was within walking distance from where she and her mother and sister lived. She went there immediately, but she just could not allow herself to walk into the service. Later, she asked herself, How could I expect them to rid me of this powerful demon if I wouldn't go inside? However, God guided Daniel to cross her path on another day. Immediately, she noticed something different about him. Hardly daring to hope, she asked him the same question she had asked so many other young men. Are you a Christian? Yes, he said. I am a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church across the road. My name is Daniel. Interrupting him before he could say another word, Mariam poured out her predicament to him. Daniel promised to talk to the leaders of the church group to see what they could do for her. During prayer meeting that week, Daniel shared about Mariam's struggle. She wants the church to pray for her, he said. The leader of the group, Pastor Neoma Lenu, gathered some leaders to make contact with Mariam and her family on Sabbath evening. Unfortunately, Daniel became frightened about the spiritual battle ahead. Elder brother, he said to Bernard, please talk to the pastor. I don't want to discourage him, but I am afraid of this sort of thing. Bernard encouraged him. Let's go. The Lord will be with us. Daniel finally agreed to go. Upon arriving, Daniel introduced the group to Mariam and her mother. After getting acquainted, one elder began to ask Mariam difficult questions about her relationship with the demon. Their plan wasn't to have the prayer for her deliverance that night, but to spend a few days in fasting and prayer to get ready for the battle. However, God had a different plan in mind for the freeing of his daughter. Pastor Neoma took over the questioning. What is the name of the demon? Since we've been together, he has never told me his name, Mariam answered. Your nose ring. How did you get it? Did the demon give it to you? Yes, and he has given me all the money I want, she added. As the questioning continued, a dark presence suddenly filled the room. Instantly, Mariam's head was slammed to the ground several times. Moved by this sudden violence, the little group began to pray. As they prayed, the pastor felt impressed to continue asking Mariam questions. What happened to you? he asked. 
When you started asking me questions, I heard the demon outside screaming, pleading with me not to reveal our secret. Mariam confided hesitatingly. As I was talking to you, he returned with force, demanding that I return his ring and the money he had given me. He said, It is over between you and me because the people you are associating with will not allow me to continue with you. Then he said to me, My name is Jin Musa. Musa meaning the demon. Jin is the Muslim term for spirit being or genie. Tell them to stop tormenting me. Even though they began to praise the Lord, Jesus had not yet completed his work. Again, the evil presence lingered, this time more powerfully, and Mariam fell into a trance. Her mother could no longer stand it and ran out of the house. The elders redoubled their efforts in prayer. When Mariam returned to consciousness, one of the men asked, What happened to you, Mariam? When you were praying, she recalled, he came back with another demon, but they could not enter the house. The other demon said that the power inside the house was too great and he could not help. I have never seen my demon so angry. He is gone. How are you feeling now, Sister Mariam? I cannot express the way I'm feeling right now. I feel like a heavy load has been taken from me. I have joy in my heart, and I believe I am truly liberated. Amazingly, Mariam went into her room and took out every charm and potion the spirit doctor had given her. She smashed the bottles and burned the rest. Then she burst into tears, exclaiming joyfully, I am free, I am free, Jesus has healed me. The pastor and three church members spent the night at Mariam's house to watch and pray and to strengthen and reassure her of Christ's deliverance. The next day, another member visited Mariam and asked how she had slept. Mariam answered, I had a dream last night. Someone came to the window and asked, What is your name? I replied that I didn't know. Immediately I saw the pastor and the other members praying around me. The pastor raised his hand and said, In the name of Jesus! And suddenly fire shot from his hand and burned the man at the window who ran away wailing. When I woke up, I tried to pray the way I heard you all praying. At nine this morning, an old Karamoko came by with some spirit medicine for me. When he came into our house, he began to shout, Hey, what's in here? There is something in this house. I invited him to sit down, but he just yelled, No, I will not sit down. He was trembling and muttering that his skin was burning. I won't come back to your house ever again. He finally shouted, and he left. When Mariam was asked about what advice she would give to someone who was in demonic slavery as she had been, she replied, To all who find themselves in similar situations, I would say to seek Jesus, for he alone can free anyone from all evil power. What my father 
and the other Karamokos could not do for me in 17 years, Jesus did for me last night. She added, I want to live the rest of my life for him. Please keep praying for me because I want to be baptised and share my testimony with those who will listen. I know there are more battles ahead. I am aware of the persecution that awaits me from my family. But the Jesus who delivered me from demons will deliver me from my persecutors. Today, Mariam continues to take Bible studies and serves as a deaconess in the church. She helps to clean the church and get it ready for Sabbath worship every Friday. She sings with the choir as she loves singing Christian songs. Please keep Mariam in your prayers as she walks in the path of her new life with Christ. A reflection associated with this story comes from The Desire of Ages, page 131. It says, We cannot save ourselves from the tempter's power. He has conquered humanity, and when we try to stand in our own strength, we shall become a prey to his devices. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Proverbs 18 verse 10. Satan trembles and flees before the weakest soul who finds refuge in that mighty name. The Great Controversy Unfolds was written by Fred Coker of Adventist Frontier Missions. Adventist Frontier Missions seeks to establish Indigenous Seventh-day Adventist church planting movements with unreached people groups. You can visit afmonline.org for more information. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.